We live in difficult times and things have been difficult. There's no doubt about it. But the church is strong and Jesus is Lord and He will reign forever and ever and there will be no end to that. So therefore His church is with Him. And do you know what? The Bible actually says we get to reign with Him. Pretty significant. I've been praying and I really felt today's word that I want to share with us all is, is hugely significant because I'm not quite sure whether we're out of uncharted waters yet. I think we've still got a way to go. And I think God is really, really wanting to speak to His church because I think we're at a very significant time right now. I believe prophetically that the Lord really wants to use our nation, Australia, significantly to bring change to the world. I think about the name, the first name ever given to Australia, the great South land of the Holy Spirit, right? But I've also heard many a prophecy over our nation, many prophecies over this beautiful land, even from one from the, the, the great uh, Smith Wigglesworth, who said the great last move of the Holy Spirit will come from this land. And I've been pondering on that lately and I've been feeling this prophetic urge that I can't lose. I keep thinking about how God wants to use our nation. And maybe, just maybe, this is it. Maybe this is that moment where He's going to say, Australia, tag, you're it. But here's what gets me excited, is I believe He wants His church at the forefront. I believe He's asking His church and preparing His church to rise up and to say, we're ready for whatever comes along, whatever situations that this world may face, we've found the answer, we know the answer. Even if we go through trials and tribulations, we have this joy. We have this expectation that God is with us always. And just maybe healing might come to our land. I honestly prophetically feel, I can't lose that, Andrew. I can't lose it. I want to prophesy today that Australia will lose, use this nation and His church within this nation. Amen? Amen. You know, um, a few weeks ago, I, I felt the Lord say to me, Rick, I'm going to show you one paver at a time. You know, the Scripture says the, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Each step is ordered. And, and you know, Lord, your light is a lamp unto my path. Your light is a, a light unto my path, a lamp unto my feet. And um, he said very clearly, he said, Rick, I'm going to show you one paver at a time and I want you to lead the church, Strong Nation Church, along those pavers. And I remember the scripture in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time or take advantage because the days are evil. And he shared that with me and I really felt that was the first paver that he laid down. Simply... Walk carefully and use wisdom, but take advantage of the time. Take advantage, make good use of the time is another um, translation for that. Because the days are evil. I, you know, I remember preaching that in February, not realising how evil this year could be. Take advantage of it. I believe that's the first thing. Church, get ready. Are you ready to make use of the time? Take advantage for the kingdom's sake. And, and I think it's a, a great word and I'm seeing many people doing that. 
you know, helping the community is a great way of doing that and you're doing that so well. But I believe today I want to share another paver. Last week was Father's Day. Did you enjoy it, dads? I enjoyed it. Had a great time. Hope you enjoyed our service that we had with our discussion on being a dad. And, but um, during that time, I, God gave me the scripture out of Joshua chapter 4. As I was reading, I felt the Lord say to me, this is not just for Father's Day. And he said, I want you to begin to speak about something out of this passage and begin to share it with the church. I want you to take the church on a journey because I believe the Lord wants us to walk this journey that he revealed to me out of Joshua 4. Read it to you, Joshua 4, 20, 24. What had happened is Joshua just led the people into the promised land. But to do so, he had to cross the Jordan River, which was in flood. Oh Lord, what are we going to do? The Lord said, just get the priest to walk in as soon as their feet touch the water. Can you imagine being the priest? Just, just jump in. Is that what you do? Just jump. As soon as their feet touches the water, I'll hold back the, the, the tide. He holds it back and it dries up and they all walk across. And Joshua turns around and says, pick up, pick up some stones, every one of you. Twelve, pick up twelve stones, bring them. We're going to build an altar. And verse 20 says this, and those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal and said to the people of Israel, listen to this, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Hey, Dad, what are these lump of rocks over here for? What do they mean? Hey, Dad, you talk many stories, but what have these rocks got to do with that? Verse 22, then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters from the Jordan for you until you passed over. As the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. Verse 24. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Hey, Dad, what are those rocks about? Oh, God showed how mighty he is. Oh, he held up the river and we walked across. And do you know what, son? We need to fear him. We need to honour him. Our great-grandfather, what's that about? What are those rocks over in the corner about, grandfather? Oh, let me tell you, we touched the water with our toes. The water just... And do you know what? He's powerful. And you can honour God. He's worthy of all honour and you should fear him. Great, 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 great grandfather. <laughs> you seen it? I believe this is for us. We're in uncertain times, but the Lord has chosen, I think, Australia and the church to rise up. And this is an important key towards it. There's a huge journey ahead of us. I, don't, I can't see things getting easier for a while. It's a huge journey. And I think this is a huge key to seeing great things happen in our lives, in our families, in our church, and I believe in the nation of the world, in the nation of Australia and the world. I believe it's significant. I believe God wants to see us rise up so that we can actually be the ones saying, hey, God is mighty. Yeah. And he must be feared. He's the one. So today I want to start a little mini-series we'll be preaching over in the next few weeks called Building God an Altar. 
or build God an altar. I believe he's asking us to build an altar. The other day I was watching a bit of news coming out of America and it happened to be September 11 in the, in the US at that time. And um, the honour they were putting towards what happened, can you believe it was 19 years ago? Wow. Next year's the 20th anniversary, wow. Of that horrific thing that happened, terrorist attack. And I love what they're saying, never forget. Never forget. And they stood there and, and read out 3,000 names of people who won't, will never be forgotten and we won't forget what happened. That's an altar. It's a time when you come together and say, hey, let's remember this. Let's think about this. Let's put everything in perspective again. Yeah, we're going through terrible times, America, but look what happened 19 years ago. We got through that because we can look at that monument, we can look at that altar, we got through that, we'll get through it again. Earlier this year, many of us woke up at dawn on the 25th of April, went to the end of our driveways, because that's all we could do. And I'm, I live in semi-rural area, look down and you can see these little lights at the end of driveways. And we came to an altar to remember all those who have fought and died in wartime. It's an altar. And it's there so that we will never forget, that we will remember. And I believe God wants us to build altars, build altars so that we can remember His power, that we can remember that He is full of power, grace, peace, that He changes lives, that He's affected my life hugely, and that He's to be feared. What does it mean to be able to have an altar which says that God is powerful? What does that mean? I think it's this, and this is what I see. I see people coming up to you and your family saying, what is it about your family? How come they're so, so blessed? Why is there peace in your home? Well, there's an altar here. We honour God. Maybe they can see something about it. I think about that story in 1 Samuel of a guy called Obed-Edom and uh, he's a servant of the Lord and what had happened was the Ark of the Covenant had been stolen by the Philistines and kept for a long time um, away from Israel and finally the Israelites um, got it back and they're bringing it home um, on, on an ox cart which they should never do, it's to be carried, not put on an ox cart and the, the oxes stumbled and one of the guys put his hand out and touched the ark and it killed him. Died, Uzziah. I thought, oh, David wanted that ark back in Jerusalem, but not so much anymore. So he said, okay, um, we've got to find a house. And they put it in Obed-Edom's house. The ark of the covenant for a few weeks went into Obed-Edom's house. But what happened is word got out that all this blessing came into Obed-Edom's house. Incredible blessing. So much so that King David from Jerusalem heard about how blessed Obed-Edom was. And I believe that's what it's like when you begin to build an altar, gather those stones for an altar in your home. People say, what is it about your house? You're blessed. You've got that peace. There's grace. Why do things always go well for you? I know uh, many of you know that I have the honour of being a chaplain at Windsor High School. 
on Thursdays. I love it. And um, a few times now, probably about three or four times, I walk into a class and one of the teachers was standing there and he cut the class. He goes, sir, he calls me sir, which is pretty cool. None of you guys call me sir. <laughs> so why is it when you come into this room, there's peace? It's because of the altar. I sat in one of the teacher's offices and she says, why do, why do you bring peace with you when you come? What is that? I'm, it's no words, it's just what God does. I think it's an altar. We need to build an altar because God is mighty and the world needs to see that. We bring an altar into our home. We build it with the stones that God places. I want to talk about that in a minute. But the reason why is so that those around us, but also those in generations to come, can look at it and say, wow, God must be powerful. I like that last bit. So that he must be feared as well. We build the altar so that he should be feared. Now, that doesn't mean you're scared of God. It means he must be honoured. Jesus actually said this, don't fear those who can hurt your mortal bodies. Fear the one who can send you to hell. Paul said it a different way. He said, don't be a people pleaser, be a God pleaser. Why do you try? And you know what? I've spent a lot of my life trying to please people when really I should be trying to please God. That's what it's like to honour God. That's what it's like to fear God. To have this reverence to understand, whoa. I remember the days when I'd be at a youth camp and his presence would just be felt. And you're just too scared to move because you didn't want to lose it. Remember those days? I believe the Lord wants us to get that back. I look around our world today and I'm not quite sure whether the church fears God enough. I'm not talking about being scared of him. I'm talking about honour and have reverence for him and his presence and what he does. Here's some scriptures I'm going to read to you really quickly through about fearing the Lord. The Bible says, fear the Lord, it is the beginning of all knowledge. Fear the Lord is, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him and he makes known to them his covenant. God's mercy is reserved for those who fear him from generation to generation. Listen to this one. Whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress and for their children it will be a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. I'm not quite sure whether Christians really get this and I don't know whether there's a lot of modern day Christians who practice this. Oh yeah, it's all right. Wow, come on, we're talking about God here. Oh, I can live how I want to. Grace, grace, right? No, I don't think that honours God. Yes, grace, we can live on grace forever. But Paul actually turns around and says, do we go on sinning that grace may abound? Absolutely not. One, you'll trash your life. But two, you should be fearing God. Fear him. You get wisdom, knowledge, understanding, incredible things happening in your life. Teach your children to fear the Lord in a really holy way. I think it's powerful. I think it's very, very powerful. God wants altars built. I believe it and he's calling for it now. How does he do that? What's it about? 
Well, in the Old Testament, an altar basically had basically three purposes that I could find in my research. One, you, you, you bring a sacrifice, you kill the bull, you kill the pigeon or something like that, and you put it to God at the altar, and, and, and it's, it's just a, purely just for sacrifice. Another reason is praise and worship, and often after a victory, someone will say, hey, how good is God? Let's make a monument. Let's, let's build an altar to say, how good is God? And it's a place to remember the victories and to remember He is wonderful, which really is praise and worship, right? The third one is um, a place you go to where you focus your spirituality when you're crying out to God, when you need an answer. We'll build an altar to God because we need Him right now. And I look at those three things really have been fulfilled by Jesus. You know, he, he actually died on the cross. He paid the ultimate sacrifice and the cross is an altar. I'm sure the cross, the wood of the cross doesn't exist anymore, but the power of the cross exists. Power of it, the ultimate sacrifice and we can come to that altar anytime. Praise and worship, Jesus actually made that comment. He said, the time is coming where you don't need to go to a mountain or to a temple or to any altar, really, to worship him. You'll start to worship him in spirit and truth. In other words, it'll be within you. It'll flow from within you. So, we, you know, that's an altar. We don't have to go to an altar. It's not a physical altar. To cry out to God. Well, Jesus actually said, you know what, it's better that I go because I'm going to send a helper. His name's Ekbalo, not Ekbalo, Parakletos. means the one who stands beside you, his Holy Spirit. And he's the one when you cry out, he's the ever-present help in time of need. He's the altar that we can come to and say, I need you right now. I'm fearing right now. I've got, I'm anxious right now. I'll come to you, Holy Spirit, for peace. You see, those altars are still in place, but we don't need to physically build an altar. Although for centuries we've built cathedrals, we've built pulpits, we've built buildings, we've built places, and they're not evil, they're not wrong, but I think they're somewhat insufficient to what God really wants to do with building an altar. They're not wrong. I love it when we come to the altar of a church, when a wedding altar comes. I love all those things. I'm not having a go at those things. But it's insufficient, really, when it comes to seeing the power of God. So what is the altar he wants built, Pete? What is it? Well, right now, I believe God is... I think he's bringing back the family. Now, family has always been important. Always has. But I'm sensing right now, never before, like never before, an urge to see the family unit, both biological and extended beyond biological, see the importance of that, that God is really wanting to move through it. Never before have I seen such an attack on the family unit. Never before. It's incredible. Why? Because I think God is really starting to put his direction towards it. Calling on the family. And I believe the devil hears that call. The enemy wants to drag it down. The principalities and powers want to drag it down and wants to split them up. 
before they can become the altar builders they're called to be. You see, I don't think God wants us to go down to Bunnings and get some wood, some timber and rocks and put an altar in the corner of our house and say, how cool is that? Let's remember God. I don't think that's what he wants us to do. But he does want us to build an altar and I think it has a lot to do with family. Now, before we go further into this, you might say, well, I'm not part of a family. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. You're sitting amongst it right now. If you're at home alone right now, maybe you're sick, maybe you couldn't get out today, that's okay. You've got a family around you as well. We're your family. And I want to encourage everyone here. We develop these things called oikos or the house services at the moment. Get involved in those things because together you can build incredible altars. I'm going to be speaking largely about the nuclear family, the related family, but it applies fully to all of us. So don't want you to think, oh, well, this is not for me. No, it's for you. Some of you young people haven't started your family yet. Well, I'm about to give you the greatest cheats ever so that you can establish right from the very beginning, you young couples getting married, having babies. Did you hear that I have another grandson? Welcome to this world, Ezra, Leo, Judah, Burrell. Megan, you did a wonderful job. Judah, awesome. Um, we love you and uh, great. I love it because those kids are growing up with altars all around them. And one day they're going to go, Dad, Dad, how did you and Mum get through all those difficulties with your marriage? All I can say to your son is God is awesome. And he must be feared. We got through. You see, I think marriage is an incredible altar that we can bring and we must protect and we must fight for all we can within a family. It is powerful because it's an altar for generations to look at. Got a little bit ahead of myself there. I think the potential strength of a family is huge. What it can do together is massive. I think the power that can happen in a home when the family, although never perfect, when they come together and build an altar, it is powerful and it affects generations. And the best thing we all have about us now is this, we have a future where we can start to build these altars. So how do we build these altars? How do we build it? Because I, I think the family is the greatest answer to social need in the world. I think it is. The government, and we've got the most amazing government. I think we do. It doesn't matter what side of politics, we've got the most generous government. We are so looked after, but can I tell you, I think the family can do a better job if the family's stronger and healthy. I think it is. And I think where we're headed as a nation, I think the Lord wants this. So how do we do it? As I was praying about God, how do we build you an altar? What do we do? And he said to me, Rick, it's all in the stones. Remember the stones that they got out of the Jordan River and they produced the altar? And he said to me this, Rick, every family I have given stones. I've given them gifts. I've given them mindsets. I've given them unique talents and I've given them unique hearts unique ways of relating to each other. They're all unique. And within there, I've placed stones. And what I want families to do is to look and to acknowledge and to bring those stones around an altar. 
and say, I'm going to build an altar with this stone. For me, I've got a few things that stones that I've observed in my life. Some of them, they're probably in your house, but some of them might not be, and that's okay. I see families rising up with altars and they're all different, but that's okay. Because what God wants to do in your house, Peter's very different to what he wants to do in my house. But it's still all God. And it all says that he is mighty and he must be feared. All does. For me, here's, here's some stones that I found in my house. Tithing. See, one of the major stones is that God owns everything I have. I'm just a steward. He owns it all. And I indicate that with my tithe. That's an altar. That's an altar I come to regularly. I think it's weekly or do we do it fortnightly? Fortnightly. Fortnightly we come to that altar. <laughs> I hope that's okay. And uh, why? Because he is mighty. And I could stand here for hours with testimony after testimony about the, the, the blessings that he's bringing in our life. I think church family is an altar. Taking time out to worship together. I don't think the church was ever meant to just worship alone. That's why we have a church where the people who have been called out, the word ecclesia, the people who have been called out, that's who we are. I think it's an altar. Serving God is an altar for me and, and our family. We've decided long ago we will always serve Him. It doesn't matter if it costs us, it doesn't matter if it's hard, we will always serve Him. Priority one, serve the Lord. Also in our household, a stone, I talked about it before, marriage. Massive stone for our altar. Marriage, mate, I, it's, it's not always easy. And it has been quite difficult a lot of times. But it doesn't matter. It's part of the altar. We can't let it go. We've got to be strong. Why? Because he is mighty and he must be feared. The generations are a stone for us. These little grandkids, five of them now, I can't wait for Monday night when they're all around and they're running around and they're making noise and they make a mess and oh, it's crazy. But it's the generations. God has allowed me to be able to not only meet but to put into the generations. Wow. That's a stone. That's part of my altar. And you can tell the passion I have because it's part of my altar. Another big one is the table. The table, when we come together around the table, these, these days, because my family's all getting married off, um, you know, it, it's really just mainly just once a week on Monday night when we all come together. And I realise this is a significant time. This is when we can actually say God is mighty and he must be feared. He is honoured at our table. We say grace, we hold hands and we say grace. And it's not just thanks for the food. No, it's God, you are wonderful. And I remember everything you've done for us. It's a solemn moment. And I've got to tell you, it hasn't always been that way. Sometimes it's just grace because that's what you do, right? Ah, oh, thank you for this food. Two, four, six, eight, dig in, don't wait. You know, sometimes it's that. But when it becomes a stone in your altar, it's not that anymore. It's wow, we're around our table. And do you know what I've noticed ever since we've made this very conscious? The talk around the table is often about how amazing God is. It's fantastic. Very loud. So you get more food, so it quietens them up a bit more. Anyway. 
You see, when I'm just talking to the crowd at home, I'm assuming they're laughing. But you guys don't laugh. It's about acknowledging how important God is. Church, I'm going to ask you, what stones has God given you? There might be two or three significant ones that he wants to show you right now. Would you build an altar with them? Would you make it significant in your home? It is not too late. In fact, I think God is calling us for this, to build him an altar so that the whole world will say, wow, you are so blessed. God, your God must be great. And we can echo and he must be feared. He is awesome. Awesome. We get in awe when we think about him. Amen. Like I said before, your stones are very different to my stones. So your pastor's not telling, here, telling you here you have to have a table and do the thing around the table. Your pastor's not telling you you need to pray four hours a day. What stones has he given you? Because I don't think it's an altar if you take my stones. I think it's an altar if you take God's stones that he's brought you to place at an altar. Husbands and wives, prayerfully consider what stones has he asked your family to build an altar out of? Church, this is very vital for us right now as a church. In fact, prophetically, I just can't get it off my heart. Australia is going to need the church to rise up and build altars because I think Australia will have a significant impact in the world very shortly. Can't get it out of my heart. So I'm going to ask you, church, would you come with me on a journey and build him an altar? Would you do it? I'm going to ask the band whether you'd come. Thanks. And in a moment, I'm going to to ask everyone here to stand, if you would now. And um, at home, I'm going to ask you in the home services to... uh, Just begin to pray. Have communion together. Go and get the Coca-Cola out of the fridge or the coffee or the donuts, meringue pie. And just remember Jesus' broken body and His his blood that was spilt and remember the sacrifice. Remember He is awesome and He must be feared. And why don't you just begin an altar with your house service right now saying this communion time is a real altar right now. And allow the presence of God to minister to you. Maybe people need prayer. Well, come to the altar. Allow the people around you, the experienced Christians, just to begin to pray over you and see breakthrough and healing over you. So I'm going to hand over to the house services right now for you to do that. God bless you. Next week, Pastor Naomi will be speaking. Don't miss that. It's going to be incredible. God bless you.